The Moth Podcast is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Support for The Moth comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash moth. That's odoo.com slash moth. Odoo, modern management made simple. Calling all educators. Join the moth this summer for the virtual moth teacher institute. We're not your average teacher training. Forget what you think you know about professional development. At MTI, we're all about infusing your classroom with the magic of storytelling. MTI is for 5th to 12th grade teachers, whether you're looking to fine-tune your strategies or you're a curious newcomer eager to learn more about moth storytelling. Picture this, a new community of teachers all over the country. Vibrant discussions, engaging activities, live storytelling shows, access to moth curriculum, and so much more. This summer, MTI will take place from August 5th to the 9th. Applications close on June 23rd. Visit themoth.org forward slash MTI to apply today. Welcome to the Moth Podcast. I'm your host, Dane Wilburn. It's our Halloween episode. And I remember in third grade wearing my favorite Halloween costume of all time. My school loved to celebrate Halloween and the high water mark of the year was the Halloween parade. My mother asked me, what did I want to wear And I said, I want to go dressed up as my hero, Terry Bradshaw. For those of you who don't know or don't remember, Terry Bradshaw was the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers and took them to a Super Bowl. Now, it is not easy to get a football uniform for a kind of chunky girl in the third grade. But without blinking, my mother asked her friend if I could wear her son's uniform. And it was his practice uniform, so it was fragrant. However, we laundered it, we got it on me. Now trying to find me the pants, that was never gonna happen. I had gray sweatpants, gym shoes, the jersey, and then when it came to the helmet, there was a debate. Now my mother thought I could just carry it. And I responded to her, well, that's impossible because if I just carry it, then no one will understand my commitment to the costume. That's when she decided to cut out the ear protection inside the helmet so I could put it on. When I got to school, all of the girls who were dressed as witches and princesses kind of stared at me. The boys, they kind of stared at me a little bit too a little bit of trepidation, and a touch of envy, if I dare say. I, on the other hand, thought it was the greatest thing I would probably ever do. I was exactly what I wanted to be, and I walked through that parade proudly. My mother never once worried 
about what I wanted to be or why I wanted to be there. But she was right about one thing. Wearing a helmet on your head all day at school can be a true pain in the neck. On this episode, we'll hear two not-so-scary stories that could only have taken place in costume. Our first storyteller this week is Bruce McCullough. Bruce told this at a main stage event in Los Angeles where the theme of the night was Leap of Faith. Here's Bruce, live at The Moth. Hello. For my wife and my kids and I, we've always really loved Halloween. And I think it's because we can put so much energy into our costumes. You know, I usually dress in tandem with something, uh, with my son, uh, Roscoe. Uh, I was Robin to his Batman. Um, we went out as Hall and Oates. Um, he was the handsome one, obviously. Um, my wife went out as a Picasso painting. And then the year 1960, go figure, she's creative that way. And it's one of her outlets. She doesn't have the moth. Um, and my daughter, Heidi, has gone out as a series of the Disney princesses. But lately, she's grown tired of the Disney brand, which I really appreciate. Um, so we really love Halloween around our house, uh, except for last year. We have a family pet, uh, Lulu, a white standard poodle. Um, but if you're trying to imagine her, uh, we don't cut her all poodly. We just let her go. Um, and she's a great dog. You just go, Lulu, and she'd run around. You could hear a little collar jingle. Well, in August, Lulu got sick. She had this little nosebleed that started kind of, you know, sporadically, but started to gain momentum. And so much so that we decided to take her to the vet. Um, he couldn't find anything. Still, $70. <laughs> and he looked at us and he said, oh, it's probably just nothing. But in a way that in my head I heard, it's probably just everything. And I wasn't paranoid, I was true. I was right, because that nosebleed would not stop. It just kept going and going. We'd lie her on our bed on a towel and she'd always lie on the other part of our bed. And we'd walk her to the park and her nose would bleed and using the drips, we could find our way back home like Hansel and Gretel. And then one day she got up to go to the park, her little collar jingled and she fell down. She couldn't walk. Now anyone here who's ever had to wrap a pet in a towel or a blanket uh, I will, and rush it to animal emergency, I will spare you the gory details. Um, needless to say that a couple pieces of bad news and an operation that didn't go as planned, our little girl was just hanging in. It was the next day we were picking up our kids from karate class. We got the call from the animal hospital saying, uh, your girl's in trouble. If you want to see her again, you better get here soon. So we had to figure out how to get our kids from karate class and, and get all the way across town going full blast without letting them know how freaked out we were. We said, oh, those people at the animal hospital, they just need some money by the time the bank closes, which was kind of true. And when, <laughs> when we got there, I didn't know what I was doing. I just said, okay, she's probably asleep. We're going to go in. You kids, you just stay here. So we went inside and they took us into a room I'd never been in before. And there was our, our girl lying on a metal table. She had a, a tube in her, from her paw and one in her mouth. And we said, hello, Lulu. And she heard our voices and 
Her tail kind of flinched. It didn't wag, it just flinched. She had the impulse, but not the strength. And her voices comforted her because she was blind now. And we looked at our dog and my wife and I, and we knew it was all over but the ending. And that's why they called us to come and put her down. So we ordered the stuff, $70. And we stroked her ear. We whispered to her. We thanked her for all the love and all the cuddling, for starting our family. We always say she started our family because we got her a week before Heidi. And then we held her before we, until we didn't have to anymore. Hardly a date night for me and my wife, but it was a shared activity, I guess you could say. <laughs> Putting down my dog was the hardest thing I have ever done. My dad dying was a nuisance compared to this. We went back to the car and got to the kids, and just as we got there, my wife said, you tell them. I said, okay. Guys, Lulu's gone to heaven. My son said, bullshit. <laughs> he knows I don't believe in heaven, and I'm a terrible actor at the best of times. And we just stand, stood there, all of us, crying and heaving and snot coming out our nose. No one knew how to lead this family. We didn't know what to do. So we just went to McDonald's. I guess that's why they're there. We drove straight through a drive-thru. Happy meals that really weren't. My wife, wearing sunglasses with tears going down her cheeks, ate a Big Mac and babbled, I guess the calories don't count if your dog just died, right? <laughs> you know, it's weird when you lose a parent, you're, you're asked to, or you're told you can grieve for a year. But if you lose a pet, you're lucky if you get the day off work. And it was particularly hard, especially for my young daughter, Heidi. She was doing badly in school for the first time. She got really dark and her teacher found her a book uh, to help her deal with the grief. Um, coincidentally and unbelievably called Saying Goodbye to Lulu. What are the odds? It was, I guess there's a lot of them out there. There was, it was a story about a young girl who had a little puppy that died and she ended up burying it in the backyard, wrapped in her sweater for some reason. And my wife and I, we read it. It was a cruel, dark read, but we got through it. And it brought up the obvious for Heidi that she never got a chance to say goodbye to Lulu. My fault, of course, I kept her in the car. And then the next few weeks, as, as Halloween grew near, Nobody was talking about their costumes. Clearly, Halloween was off. And I came home, though, one day about a week before Halloween, and it's as if the mood in the house had shifted, as if someone had opened up a window and let in some happiness. And they announced that suddenly Halloween was back on. And they all knew what they were going to wear. My wife was going to go out as Frida Kahlo if she hadn't been in the accident. I don't know how she was going to do it, but she was. My son was going to go as either a ninja or an owl. He hadn't decided yet. My daughter was going to go out as a zombie that ate Disney princesses, <laughs> which I thought was another strong move. And they all knew what I should go out as. You're going to go out as Lulu. As my dead dog. And why? 
so people get a chance to say goodbye to Lulu. And I thought, no, I'm not doing it. Make, make my wife do it, she's the actress. You know, as a parent, you get used to being used as a prop. My Dora, Doris t-shirt became a Dora t-shirt a long time ago. But, dad is dead dog. And I said, okay, I'll do it. Because when you're a parent, you know you just have to do it and hope for the best. Oh, and the other development is we were suddenly having a Halloween party. So everyone we knew could come and say goodbye to Lulu. The day of the party, I got ready for the worst gig of my adult life. I put on my costume and it was exactly what you'd think it was. An off-white tracksuit with some cotton on it. A white toque, because we call them in Canada, with some felt ears attached. My daughter did my makeup. And the last grim detail was, I wore the actual collar that Lulu wore in life. With her little dog tags that you could jingle. I looked at myself in the mirror and I thought, well, at least I don't have any lines. As the party started, the doorbell rang and the first two people arrived. My daughter, Heidi, wobbled into the kitchen, moved around and puked. She puked a projectile vomit all over the island and on the floor. What goes around comes around isn't just about karma, folks. It's also about the stomach flu. Some kids in class had had it the previous week and I thought we'd dodged a bullet, but apparently not, because there was a pile of puke on the floor. I jumped into action and I told my wife to clean it up. In a respectful, uplifting way though. And I took Heidi into the TV room where we conveniently still had the dog gate, like little bars so people could visit us in happy jail and we wouldn't get them sick and we could observe the party. And we sat in there and we drank ginger ale and cuddled. And I, I thought this is all I ever really wanted a family for, was to cuddle and watch Little Bear. And my daughter was so happy, she started talking and telling me about her life. And she started telling me what she wanted to be when she grew up and I wanted to butt in, but I couldn't because I was in character. And while well, the party raged outside, Frida was moving around easily, and my son was entertaining people with his ninja moves, even though he was dressed as an owl. We sat and sighed and cuddled. Then everybody came and said goodbye to me, well, Lulu and me, and then they left. And then it was just down to the four of us, my son, my wife, my daughter, and I, and she looked at me and she said, well, we're all here now. She looked at me and rubbed my ears, jiggled my collar and said, goodbye, Lulu. My heart both broke and leapt at the same time because she'd finally gotten to say it. That night, or middle of the night, I woke up with that feeling in my throat. You know, the feeling that you're gonna puke in 10 seconds. <laughs> and I ran to the mirror and I caught a glimpse of myself, some dog makeup still on. And I know I'd gone dressed as my dead dog, but I came back as a guy who had done his best, and this time it worked out. Thank you.
That was Bruce McCullough. Bruce is a comedian, writer, and director best known as a member of the sketch troupe, The Kids in the Hall. He has directed shows such as SNL, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Schitt's Creek, and Trailer Park Boys. He is set to take his latest one-man show, Tales of Bravery and Stupidity, to America in 2022. Bruce is currently directing and producing the third season of the CBC sketch series, Tall Boys. To see some photos of Bruce, his children, and their dog, Lulu, head to the extras for this episode on our website, themoth.org extras. Our next storyteller is Amir Baghdachi. What up, Amir? Amir told this story at a story slam in Ann Arbor where the theme of the night was haunted. Here's Amir live at The Moth. Okay, listen, this is going to be educational, okay? <laughs> Look, um, I don't know if you know this, but children are the future, okay? And we have to teach them. We owe it to them to teach them facts, to teach them history, which is why when I was invited to dress up as a mummy and frighten some suburban school kids on a haunted hayride, I put my foot down. I was like, one, if you consult the ancient Egyptian papyri, chasing tractors is not something a mummy would be into. Quite the, <laughs> quite the opposite. The papyri are pretty straight about this. And two, you know, a haunted hayride gives these kids a distorted sense of farm life, right? And it's hard enough getting our young people into agriculture, right? Now they're going to think on top of blizzards and beetles and droughts, there's the undead to worry about, right? No thanks, Pa. I'm going into social media, right? I don't blame you, Jaden. I don't blame you. Um, but my friend said there'd be some compensation, and the job I had previously was cooking at a Chili's, and I just felt that my resume needed something a little more <laughs> impressive, right? They'd be like, a haunted hayride, huh? That's, that's walking and moaning. Very, ni- very nice. So uh, I go to my friend's house uh, to get the costume going, and uh, this costume consisted of three things. Some underwear, some bandages, and there was no third thing, just, just <laughs> underwear and bandages. And for a second, I thought, you know, should I wear shoes? Should I have a phone? Should I have a wallet? But the papyri are pretty straight. Mummies did not have those things, right? So it's just that. And uh, it was a dark night a few nights before Halloween. And I was driven deep into one of those endless winding subdivisions and dropped off. And, uh, and they told me, you know, and they said, okay, just wait by this mailbox, and when, um, when the tractor comes up pulling the kids, jump out and scare them. I think, okay. So I'm just waiting there, just trying to act casual, which is, which is not easy, because remember, it's, it's not even Halloween yet, right? On Halloween, you can be like, hey, look, honey, there's a mummy by our mailbox. Hi. But it's just a regular Tuesday, right? I'm just trying to blend in, like, hey, just checking your mail. Looks good. It's, just, it's not, it's not. So... Then I see the tractor rumbling up the street, and there are the kids sitting on bales of straw, and they're in costume with lightsabers and magic wands and nunchucks. And I I jump out, and I start following them. And I go, and the kids shriek, okay? Then I go, I'm going to get you, and the kids shriek. And then I go, I'm going to eat your face, and the kids go quiet. Like, like I crossed a line there. 
And even I'm like, eat your face. Is that, is that, where did that come from? Is that okay? Like, did I miss some sort of haunted hayride training where we like brought up issues of heightened sensitivity? And I just, where did, where did that come from in me? And, and then it happened. Right, the tractor begins to pick up speed, but this one kid, he was a pirate with a sword, goes, there's the mummy, let's get him! And the kid jumps off the moving tractor, right? And one after another, the kids are jumping off. They're going, let's get him! Just plunk into the pavement, picking themselves up, screaming and chasing after me. And I just start running, right? And, and I mean, and up to this point, I had been trying to walk in a kind of historically authentic manner, just kind of clump, clump, clump. But at this point, you know, papyri be damned, I am booking, right? And, and so you understand, like, these children, they were not sweet kids, right? These children were out to kill. These were the children of the corn, right? And, and not the kind of cute mini ornamental Indian corn. Like, I'm just talking big genetically modified cobs of the devil, right? That's the kind of corn these children were children of. And so I'm just running, like, through over lawns, stumbling through backyards, and finally I escape at some little swampy bits in a cul-de-sac. And I'm muddy, and my bandages are tearing, and it hits me. I have no idea where I am, right? I've got no phone, no wallet. And then up the street, this door opens, a front door opens. I see some kids, and I just hurl myself at them going, Hey, hey, story for me! And the kids are like, Mommy! And I'm outside, like, come on, just let me, I'm, I'm not going to eat your face. This is not, it's not good. And I realized, like, I can't ask for help in this costume. Like, I've got to change. Which immediately raised a really important question. Uh, which of these things, as a parent, are you more afraid of? A mummy roaming through the streets at night or a half-naked middle-aged weirdo just jamming in his underpants? And... Uh, and to be honest, you know, it's a toss-up. The, pap- the papyri are not, you know, conclusive here. I, I went with just keeping the, th- the bandages. And finally, I, I, after wandering, I limped and I found the Jeep with my friend. And it was parked with all these other minivans. And the headlights were on and the flashlights were out. And like, hey, did you hear what happened? Some of the kids jumped off the hayride and they just ran off. We don't even know where some of them are. What, what could have made that happen? And I was like, I have no idea. That is awful. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get in the car right now, and I'm just, I'm just going to go, because my, my work here is basically done. Um, and uh, a few days later, I, I got the compensation, and it turned out to be a gift certificate for, I'm not making this up, for Chili's, uh, which, which is pretty scary, right? Thanks. That was Amir Baghdachi. Amir is a writer and director. So far, he's failed at nearly every job he's put his hand to, including Paperboy, Oyster Shucker, Scholar of Antiquity, Parade Leprechaun, Personal Chef to a Billionaire, Resume Fixer, and Candidate for Public Office. His latest work is always at AmirForAmerica.com. That's it for this episode. And from all of us here at The Moth and on this side of the veil, have a story-worthy week. Dame Wilburn is a storyteller, a host of The Moth podcast, Dame's eclectic brain podcast, and various live shows, including The Moth Main Stage. Her storytelling began as a way of keeping cool in the summertime on her grandmother's porch in Macon, Georgia. 
She has completed four residencies for storytellers, including at Serenby in Palmetto, Georgia, and at Airtrez in Almont, Michigan. Dame has also presented at the University of Iowa and UCLA. She lives in a state of possibilities and in Michigan. This episode of The Moth Podcast was produced by Sarah Austin Janess, Sarah Jane Johnson, Julia Purcell, and me, Davey Sumner. Our special assistant producer is Harvey Johnson Cook. The rest of The Moth's leadership team includes Catherine Burns, Sarah Haberman, Jennifer Hickson, Meg Bowles, Kate Tellers, Jennifer Birmingham, Marina Cloutier, Suzanne Rust, Brandon Grant, Inga Gladowski, and Aldi Kaza. All Moth stories are true as remembered by storytellers. For more about our podcast, information on pitching your own story, and everything else, visit our website, themoth.org. The Moth Podcast is presented by PRX, the public radio exchange, helping make public radio more public at prx.org. Support for The Moth comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash moth. That's odoo.com slash moth. Odoo, modern management made simple.